Oh, welcome back to a hamster with a blunt penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I can't think of anything original to do, so I'm so sorry. Well, that's all right. Perhaps you could ask me a question. I could say, Sai, we haven't been introduced, have we? <laughs> I bet you said that to a few blokes. <laughs> every episode, every episode of this one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what um, to deserve this, honestly? We are here to discuss the gripping climax to Snake Dance, story two of season 20 of Doctor Who. Yes. And just because you did this to me, I think the last time we spoke. Perhaps you could tell everyone at home what has occurred in this story to date. Well, um, Tegan, under partial control of the, of the Mara, has taken the TARDIS to the planet of Manusa, which is where the Mara originated. Meanwhile, the people of Manusa have forgotten their past and have now reduced the story of the Mara to a myth and legend that is part of their their civilization but they've forgotten the nuances and why and how the civilization was destroyed by the creation of the mara which they did themselves with the great mind's eye the great crystal so they have put on this pageant every year which is about to happen in part four of snake dance where they they go through the rituals of destroying of getting rid of the mara but only this time the Mara Lon has persuaded Ambrel, the director of things, <laughs> um, with some by showing him some beautiful trinkets that they're going to use the the original Great Crystal, and thus the Mara could come back. Meanwhile, Doctor Who, Nissa, and Chela have walked down a corridor and are now being held at sword points. Oh, the most gripping part of the whole story! <laughs> that was beautifully done. That was, wasn't it? Um, I'm quite impressed. I think you are a lovely voice to listen to. Someone should, someone <laughs> should film you reading out the Doctor Who annuals and things and put them online. They should. Or anyone would say you should play a companion <laughs> in a series of spin-off Doctor Who audios. They should. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this has been uh, a very sophisticated story that we have been watching. It has. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that we're going to rouse to an epic climax here. I think so. I I can't see this going wrong. But then we've got so many apart three, and they've all gone wrong. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, the there was an enormous pink snake at the end of Kinder, which rather derailed things a little bit. Yes. Um, so I wonder if the same thing is going to occur. Well, I think we might be seeing the pink snake. Have you ever had anything evil and phallic head towards you, Sai? Lucy, just get the brigadier out. <laughs> I think the answer is frequently. <laughs> On to episode four. Uh, would you like to count us in? Yes, in five, four, three, two, one. Bang! <laughs> what's, what's terrifying is that, you know, this is an incredibly phallic monster. <laughs> it's still like the most phallic Doctor Who monster. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not but uh, there's something about the snake imagery isn't that going right back to the bible and genesis and the snake is always the temptation 
Something about Doctor Who designers being obsessed with giant cocks. I tell you. Well, yeah. Well, that that's very much much the case too. So, so sorry to be talking about giant cocks when mm-hmm. we're watching this Christopher Bailey's intelligence script. Mm-hmm. It's such a shame. I have, I have, did you hear the um, big Finish story that was the unmade Christopher Bailey story? Um, the Children of Seth. It was very good, actually. Very good. I've not heard that one. So I'd heard some of the Barbara Clegg ones that were very interesting. The Elite, particularly, was was really good. It but, was uh, as mature as you would expect it to be. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well characterized. A great guest cast. Like they really, you, I kind of know when Big Finish know they're on for a winner because then you look at the guest, uh, the cast list, and was you're it like, on a oh, Blackman in that one. Yeah, she was fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, when you see sort of you know Kate Winslet on the guest list, then you know you know that. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> Whereas um, Cradle of the Snake, which was the Mark Platt script, yeah, third was, Mara story, was not good. I did not like that at all. No, that, it was funny because um, when we used to, do, as Joe alluded to, um, we used to do the Planet Scara audios, which were a series of fan audios, and about a couple of years before the Cradle of the Snake, we did a third Mara story where the Doctor was possessed by the Mara. Wow. Yeah, that's a a bold thing to pull off, you know. It was, and we did. Who played the Doctor? Um, That was Paul Monk, my friend Paul, who played the Doctor in that one, with his companion Ed. Mm. That was great. That was really fun. I I script-edited that one for my friend and helped him fill out the script. That was great fun to do. What was it called? Come on, let's do a bit of marketing. The Hand of Peace. The Hand of Peace, everybody. Planet Scaro Audios. Go find them. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, the Mark Platt one, I, you know, it was a bit comical and a, and a bit overplayed as well. Yeah, it didn't quite come to... It should have been brilliant because the idea of the Doctor being possessed by the Mara is a really great idea. But as always with Big Finish, it didn't quite go where it should have done. And it was just an idea and they didn't play with it and... Sometimes, sometimes they, they think, oh, this would be a great idea. But and, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they get it really, really right. Mm-hmm. I, I slag off all a big finish. I mean, I've got a big finish podcast, you know. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, like, well, yeah, much like Doctor Who itself, like the classic series, they get it very right and they can get it very wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, what's occurring here? Um, uh, Ambrose just about to reveal that he's going to um use the the great crystal in in the ceremony and still still the doctor is not believed like normally no at this point in most adventures robots of death those trout stories you know where he's, he's one everyone over yeah mm-hmm. i don't think he ever does does he no no even at the end when um he comes into the ceremony no one is listening to him and we don't even have that moment afterwards where everyone's like, you know, oh, child. Thank you, Doctor. You, you, are yeah, not. No, yeah. you get none of that at all. Black Uncle, they're so fucking arrogant that they, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't concede to the fact that he was right, you no. know? Mm-hmm. And the only person who does believe them is um, Chela, who is with them now for the rest of the story. Oh, man, there's a couple of scenes in this episode with Chela, the Doctor, and Nissa. I absolutely adore. They're just yes. little, little character bits. 
mm-hmm. uh, where they give each other looks and things like that. It could have been a very interesting TARDIS team, the three of them. And I could have seen, you know, a relationship between Chayla and Nissa. Nissa, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a big There's finish a bit of called, there. called Prime Evil, where Ian Hallard plays a, a character on Traken. Yeah. A bit like Chayla, quite gentle mm-hmm. and softly spoken. And they have like an almost romance. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see that working. Oh, this is great. Let me look at your arm. Mother, for the last time. <laughs> what she's got on her head (laughs) she can colette o'neill can carry that off beautifully that shouldn't work she's wearing a pair of fucking curtains as well (laughs) this is great yeah where where he says oh sorry doctor it's just a surprise Uh he catches you and then you have to pay him otherwise he throws i haven't got any money (laughs) and it feels again it just feels like a little touch it's part of the carnival Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i love the fact you get to see them like taking the snake through the through the corridors and that towards the, the cave mouth yes because mm-hmm. and that it's the great big pink snake from kinder that <laughs> wonderful is a beautiful touch and the kids are at home going no you know don't do <laughs> oh it's fabulous mm-hmm. Oh, and we get a little, little diversion now off into the country to see Dojin. We do, yeah, to go and see Dojin, who yeah. has been such an enigmatic figure for all of this, because you just see those cutaways of him, and there's no dialogue, and weird music, and the and the glow of the, the crystal, and that's it. And you have no idea, other than you know, in the end credits, that he's Dojin. Do you know what's fantastic is, is that you've had Tanha talk about him, and how she liked yeah. him, how mm-hmm. quirky he was. You've had Ambrose talk about him. He's a big quack. Yeah. yeah. So you get this massive sense of his character, despite the fact he doesn't actually utter no. mm-hmm. a word. I love the music here as well. The genesis. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good old Peter Howe. Yeah. Sort of adopted this and making it. Oh. Again, it's it has a culture. You remember I said that I thought that um, Brian Miller's character was custom made for me. Yeah, I've changed my mind. It's the guy it's with the, other... the loudspeaker now. Yes, yeah. he's um he's back. He was in um uh, the Invisible Enemy. He's one of oh, the possessed people it's... at the start of yeah. Do you know, Marvel thinks that's the worst acted scene in all of Doctor Who, where he goes, "Come in and join the party." Welcome to Titan, and you're welcome to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. Oh, I like this where um he puts on the costume and then any tension between them goes away and she just goes yeah you're forgiven aren't you always you are yes so she's standing with her back to what's going on and paying no attention to this i just said sorry you said that yeah yeah because she's as spoiled as he is in lots of ways she's not a grown-up she's yeah and they're just used to getting their own way. Yeah? <laughs> exactly, the bit where she yeah. stumbles across Nissa, and she's like, well, I just don't know what to do. I'm not accustomed to dealing with these sort of situations. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because she isn't. That's not what she does. Nobody would ever have the nerve to rummage through my drawers, you know? <laughs> so, sorry. Here we are. The first scene shot for season 20. Ah, was it? Yeah. It's so weird, isn't it? The film cameras <laughs> add a depth 
to everything. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Look at Peter Davison there looks amazing. His hair's a bit all over the place in the studio, but here, these aren't there were some brilliant photographs taken from this, uh, and they would make it onto the book covers in the 90s where they'd be painted by Alistair Pearson. So for goth opera and things like that. And oh, it's, yeah. It's really good. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Even in context, it's <laughs> yeah. it's not great. Sorry, that is camp. Even for Doctor Who. That is. That and is Martin Clunes is playing it up beautifully. Oh, sorry. Beautiful you are. Sigh, <laughs> let me look at you. <laughs> beautiful red gloves. It's just I feel like there's a, there's a um a period drama uh to be set in the palace of the Federator. Yeah, oh absolutely. <laughs> and I hope we never see the Federator in it. <laughs> well, he's one of those fantastic off-screen Doctor Who characters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Gets mm -hmm. painted brilliantly. Uh-huh. Can you think of any other examples? I'm sure there are loads, but my brain has gone blank right well, there's now. There's two I can always think of, and that is, um, uh, what's your name? President Zarb. In... Oh, yes, in Carnival of Monsters. Yes. Who you... mm -hmm. And again, you've got a real image of him from the way he's spoken about. And um, who's the other one? I was just thinking of another one as well. Oh, uh, the graph in the case is always going on about his brother, isn't he? Yes. Taking over the Levidian. Mm -hmm. oh, yes. Can mm -hmm. you say it for me? Lavidian, Lavidian crown. Yeah, yeah, you can't say all that. <laughs> oh, and a lovely real snake. But I think that does take some talent, you know, to uh, create an off-screen character so vividly. Yes. Ew! I think that was the only time Davison ever handled a live snake. He said. Uh -huh. I remember having to do that. We had um one of those live animal shows came to the library where they'd got creepy crawlies and. I took my nephew, um, well, he came along, and um, so they bring out the big python from, from the box. And they said, right, who wants to hold this? And Luke pipes up, age five, so my Uncle Simon would like to hold the snake. <laughs> and so I had to hold the snake and be really brave. <laughs> it's so weird, because I, uh, I have a genuine phobia of snakes. Uh -huh. Spiders, which everyone else in I Spiders spine. Uh, there's a local zoo here where you can hold a tarantula. Uh -huh. and I love it. He's got big furry legs, scuttles all over your hands. This is brilliant. This is really good. And the, hearing the doctor's doubts, and he's done this, and he's brought this on on Tegan, and he's got to save her, and he can't focus. And just knowing the doctor can't focus because he's got all these thoughts going round his head. Again, though, that's yeah, Haley needs... Davidson, isn't it? Hearing yeah, the doubts. Here we go. And he just needs to find the still point. What is the still point? It's a point, I think, like now, where you just are calm. And so you can defeat whatever needs to be done. Everyone else will be panicking around you. But you can be calm and concentrate and do what you need to do. Is it like going into like a meditative state? Yeah, where, I think where you're so. entirely in the now. You're not yeah, thinking because about you see that bit at the end yeah. where he's got the crystal and he's just focusing on the crystal while everything, everyone is screaming around him and he's still and calm and he's focused and he's not being possessed 
like everyone else because he's on a different plane. See, the fact that we're talking about this kind of stuff in the Doctor Who commentary, it's just showing that this is a this is like playing it's about got lots of yeah. weighty ideas. Yeah, and um, I think the guy who plays Dojan looks looks the part brilliantly. He's mm -hmm. so dishevelled, I think is the word. But have you, have you ever um, have you ever tried meditation? No, I never have. I did transcendental meditation once, right? Where and that's where you repeat a phrase in your head over yeah. and over again for like thirty minutes. And I tell you what, right? I did it one time, and I did it. And about 10 minutes in, I think you numb your brain into not thinking because you are just constantly uh -huh. repeating the same phrase, right? After half an hour, I woke up and I had all tears running down my face. I wow. had no idea where I went, what I was thinking about. But something unleashed an emotion of some kind. Very mm -hmm. strange. Anyway. <laughs> oh, here we go. The great snake has reached the cave. Uh -huh. And don't you even say I'm being rude there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what has happened. I mean, it is pink as well. Yeah. I The symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. Although, <laughs> although, to be fair, if you see a pink snake coming towards you covered in yellow spots, I would advise you I would run. run. <laughs> 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 oh. oh, and all the ceremony here as well. Yeah. It's kind of poetic, isn't it? He goes, you know, I turn my hand and the branch falls to the floor. Yes, I give you um, the world in a handful of dust, which is a quote from T.S. Eliot from The Wasteland. Ah, oh, is it? Uh, which is a beautiful piece of work. I mean, it's magnificent. I still can't get my head around it, but it's it's a beautiful piece of poetry. It's huge and epic and something I studied at university and need to go back and read again because I think it's something you get more from as you're older that's a, that's another little layer then isn't it what's the poet that's quoted in lazarus experiment is that Eliot again it might be it might be i can't remember now it is nice. i do like i do like it when, when uh literary illusions are made within a doctor's yes. story mm -hmm. yeah there we go I offer you fear in a, in handful, a handful of, of dust. That's absolutely it, yeah. It's a handful of glitter, actually. <laughs> I may say, I do not fear anything, Si, when I'm with you. <laughs> I fear that shiny costume. <laughs> <laughs> the clouds. Here so oh, here we go. Look. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It wasn't necessary. And then Taylor gives oh. <laughs> Doctor, you're in trouble now. <laughs> Wait till she gets you home. <laughs> oh, and then that's right. There's another scene in the second where they're, they're trying to knock out a guard. Yes. And Davidson's the decoy. <laughs> and he goes, yes. you left that a bit late. And Taylor goes, oh. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a nice little rapport between the three of them. And I, lo I love the scene we had earlier on where they're just lying around waiting for Dojin to come and they seem so at ease with each other. Can I say as well, the, the masks there, there's like devil masks that someone's wearing, yeah. the big gold eyes, and the guard mm -hmm. masks as well. This is a very handsome story, you know. Yes. And we still haven't seen 
Tegan. She hasn't been on screen since the middle of, of part three when she was talking Dumbdale. Yeah. But she is, yeah, she's going to make a huge entrance. Yeah, and I love it the way the, the crystal goes in and then the wall lights up a bit. Yeah, that's really, really good. And then the door opens and there she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was ever going to have an entrance in a Doctor Who, I mean, I think that would be That's it. pretty good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a bit like Silla Black coming out and surprise, surprise, <laughs> <you know? laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> unexpected is about to hit you between the eyes. <laughs> oh. And you know, even with the, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm going on about the aesthetics quite a bit, uh, only because I'm so impressed with the caves. They've got all these roots everywhere, all over yeah, there. Everything is overgrown and old and tired. And, is, and again, there is some thought put into this, isn't there? Yes. And there are shadows. They've turned the lights down a bit. I know. We, I mean, we won't stop banging on about that because, but I mean, we've got to say there are times in the eighties where they should have turned the lights down. Yeah, absolutely. There are many times. <laughs> Give me the great crystal sigh. Mm -hmm. At last, here he comes. Here oh, comes. This, the... is, this is the bit. He's like, <laughs> come on, come on, uh -huh. hurry up! <laughs> you left that. Oh, Nissa, go on. Yeah, Nissa's a bit rubbish. Chaylor does most. Uh -huh. And then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> This is great, but this is a proper, like, this isn't a big action climax like you normally get in Doctor But it's a big denouement. It's a big ending still. It, it feels very like a big theatre ending, doesn't it? You know? Yes. Every, or, yeah, ev everyone's together and you're getting the big, big end down. And it's like, um, I, I like the Battle of Wheels. Yes, you know, because that—that's precisely what's happening. It's a—it's a psychological ending like Kinder, where he was facing the mirrors. You know, yeah. Uh, I love the way. Just a little attention to detail of the two people possessed by the Mara are very red-faced and hot. Yeah, and it's not something you you notice straight away. And I have to say, the realization of the snake in this—it's still not the best thing ever but it's but it, pretty damn good i was cut above, it was a real it, snake for a long time yeah well yeah because if you look the eyes move yeah and the mouth opens and yeah unfortunately that is clearly a rubber snake she's just uh -huh. floor there which is unfortunate but never mind Ooh, look at that and that's Ooh, a yeah. pretty good use that's of csr as well yeah that cover of the snake dance novelization yeah with the planet in its mouth oh, yeah superb. who did who drew that andrew skeletta did that one i mean those targets back then yeah see it. here he is railing against everyone and it's not working because he's forgotten he's got to be he's got to be still he can't do it by his normal shouting at everyone and it's a bit like warrior's gate isn't it do nothing yeah. Exactly, and here he goes. Oh, and I like the overlay of Tegan and the snake. Yeah, and, and the screams and the screams, and yeah, yeah, that's that is it's very effective. I think the creepiest moment is where the Mara Tegan pretends to be normal Tegan, yeah, but the voice is just that little bit higher than normal while she's trying to get her own way. It's superb 
Uh, this is Janet Fielding's tour de force here. This is. She's like, no, destroy the no, protect the crystal. <laughs> and just her, just that thing of just taking her voice down a couple of registers is, yeah, is wonderful. And yeah, so many Doctor Who stories end on a big bang. It's so yeah. nice to have something a little bit more thoughtful. It's clever. Actually, yeah, that snake head with her inside—it's yeah. really creepy. And I was thinking a second ago, you know, when they're all pretending to be afraid and all of that, you can almost imagine when they said "cut" and just fell about. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> but that's Doctor Who, isn't it? Like making yeah. something absurd, terrifying. Yeah, here we go. Help me, Doctor. Oh, do that again. Help <laughs> Yeah, so is... manipulative and wonderful, and he will not submit. What's what's sad is I think enlightenment aside, she doesn't really get a great acting role again. Oh, she gets lots of good stuff in enlightenment. Yeah, and it's very mature, Tegan. Very, and like you know, she gets to, she gets to do a stroppy piece in a lot of stories. Yeah. But she doesn't really get anything to get her teeth into. No, you know? it's such a shame. Which is and why, why Power of the Doctor was really good for yeah. her, I think, because she did. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Look, they're obsessed with Gunge in the eighties, and so all of a sudden we have yeah. a snake Gunge. vomiting out all yeah. this strawberry. Yeah, exactly. Food. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because we don't really because we don't get a coda. And I think there no, was. We don't get it until Maldron Undead, do we? Well, I think there was a scripted scene. Yeah, they they filmed it, but I think the episode was overrunning, so they put it into the start of Maldron Undead. Yeah, where he explains that it had to be destroyed between its modes of of being, and but it means that we don't really see out all of these fantastic guest characters. No, we don't. It just sort of, I think it's quite nice that it just stops. And there is the possibility that they were around for a bit longer and a bit. And what have they learned, these rich people? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and we've got a very, very rare moment of tenderness between the Doctor and his companion in, yeah. in the early 80s, where he puts his arm around her. He's not allowed to do that. And it, there's a, there's it a similar moment. So much... Do you remember in Mordred Undead, we talked about that, where she says, you were going to risk your life yeah. to save us. Thank you so much. And and he's done the same for her here. And see, you don't see companions cry, and she's crying much better than she did at the end of Earthshock as well. Oh yeah, there's a real, real feeling that she has been through the ringer and she is she is hurt and damaged. And just for a companion to have that kind of focus, yeah, it, yeah, very it's, unusual, it's especially really, really in the eighties. I, I wouldn't have said that was so unusual in the sixties where no. the companions had very often had decent character um storylines but we are we are yeah. in the in the the decade yeah. of action who now aren't we so yeah exactly and so you don't yeah to have something as thoughtful and character driven as this is is rare and it's a bit of a gem i'd say well you know what comes next yes <laughs> <laughs> Would you, I have to say, would you like to go first or shall I? 
Um, I, I'm happy to go first because um, I can take the really obvious one and say um, Janet Fielding. Knew um, knew you. Were well, what else was it going to be? I, it's just a stunning performance in this story, and she gets to be scared. She gets to be young. She gets to be hypnotized, Tegan, and she gets to be Mara Tegan, and she excels at all of them she is really really good and um i think it's one of the the best companion performances in the show sort of in an individual story i think she is right up there and she's proved her worth there i'm gonna say the planet manusa which mm -hmm. i think is one of the best realized and written uh planets in doctor who i absolutely believe it exists um the people in it the sort of the faded mythology um the customs uh the just the bustling marketplace you know all of it and all the different characters that we meet i believe that they've got a purpose within this society i can't say that about every doctor who planet that we visit carfell so <laughs> i always say carfell but actually but carfell is just such the obvious example of a planet that you just don't believe in well let me say another one then that i don't entirely believe in because carfell's such an easy target yeah now I can't think of it. Or like Megalos, you know, what's that called? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, it's generically written and yeah, it's there for the purpose of the story. But why would you have a separate faction of religious nuts versus scientists? That's not yeah. Well, I'm gonna say something controversial now as well. Okay. I so I, I yeah, I do like the story. I just don't believe the planet, and that is Terra Alpha in the Happiness Patrol. I can understand that. Anyway, before Fraser comes everyone, my second one is going to be Peter Howell, who I think gives this story tremendous atmosphere in a way that only the radiophonic workshop, I think, could do. I can't imagine this story being scored by Murray Gold or Dudley Simpson or Paddy Kingsland, all the people who like melody. This is second Akinola, this is peter howe this is um mood and mood music rather than music music there's not many tunes other than the which is why the band stands out and he creates the culture of this planet through the music of the carnival and it's in all the marketplace scenes in different bits but there are very few moments of conventional scoring on top of it whereas it's lots of pads and lots of waves of music and i think that is unsettling and in a way that 80s doctor who isn't very often and i think he's he's I mean, he's just brilliant i love peter howe so yeah well then to take that to uh, to extend that i'll say that i think the scares in this story in an era that is not very subtle about its scares yeah it's, this is scary because of the performances and because of the ideas rather than yeah. the monsters you know oh absolutely yeah it's not about people's faces turning to gunge and and people turning into puddles of goo being this is taking this over is psychological being, scares regress to a child and terrified yeah. 
losing your identity you know and enjoying it and enjoying unleashing you know that nastier side of yourself like it's it is properly scary but it's yeah mm -hmm. it is down to the cast more than anybody and they perform adm admirably absolutely i i can't yeah i can't fault that because this was the scariest doctor who story of my childhood as i said this was the one that lingered with me and gave me nightmares and did upset me and i love it <laughs> because there weren't existential threats in doctor who like that at this point and yeah. so it really this and kinder really really stood out in an era that's obsessed with monsters and action and people being gunned down this is so different and um my third thing i think is um i'm gonna say well done to eric saywood for working with christopher bailey to get a workable script mm. that is working both to doctor who's strengths and to christopher bailey's strengths and like you said creating the world but creating wonderful memorable characters and interesting scenes um and it's beautifully plotted it's really really well done it's a slow burn and it's got really good use of the doctor and it's really good use of nissa as well and it all just works unexpectedly whereas kinder is a slightly flawed um production but this this everyone feels more confident i think christopher bailey is more confident in what he's doing and yeah it's really good i look at the characters he he creates here they're all as you said Manusa and the characters all feel like real people and places and that's thanks to christopher bailey upping his game to create a world even then sigh even then <laughs> uh, well my last is going to be i think this is one of the it's hard because there are some great guest casts in 82 and i think jnt was far savvier than anyone gave him credit when mm -hmm. it came to casting and he did some pretty sort of dangerous casting as well but actually this is this is like a reliable cast. yeah this is not there's no one dangerous in this one this is these are all people who you feel should be in doctor who and John Carson had had a phenomenal career by this point, and somehow Doctor Who had missed him. He'd been in the Avengers most years. He'd been in all the shows. He was a really great, solid actor, and he's got the perfect part. He plays plays Ambrose to absolute perfection. Martin Clunes is clearly on his road to stardom and steals yeah. the show from everybody. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Morris comes in and develops an immediate rapport with Davison and yeah. Seth Sutton. Colette O'Neill is just superb. Probably that's probably the performance of this for me. Yeah. I think she's great. And, you know, she belongs in some grand period drama. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and dripping even, with diamonds. <laughs> yeah. And even um, Brian Miller as Duckdale is spot on as the I showman. Know tiny role yeah that he but he gives it a memorable. dignity and wonder and weariness and cynicism yeah so i mean i think the conclusion that we're drawing is this is very good indeed yeah and i don't like it even more than i usually do <laughs> to talk about it you know uh, this is one that i've always rated very very highly and one i was really excited to see again in the 90s um bizarrely for some reason um when i uh 
got my sort of uh met the guy who who got Doctor Who on Betamax tapes that I could borrow and sort of copy onto um VHS. He had most of season twenty one, but not much of twenty and, and nineteen. Um and bizarrely, he had the last five minutes of episode four on the end of a tape that I discovered. Mm. And I was just watching and thinking, this is superb. I really want to see the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing the ceremony and that bit. I was just like, oh wow, this is so good. <laughs> and you know, I think it's like we said before, it is a story that works for children because it's scary and it works for adults because it's mature as well yes and you can yeah you can rediscover this at any point in your doctor who fandom and find something different in it i think and it is talky and yeah verbose, and slow but i don't think it's ever boring never no even as we said even the part three exposition is done really cleverly and really well well, so I'm not sure what else we can say about this story. I mean, I think we've done a marvellous job there. I think so. I think that's, yeah, it's been worth the wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, this one. And I'm really pleased because I feel like this is a little neglected snake dance. Yeah, I think it needs a bit more love. So you better be 80s, listening to this and taking this in. People will sort of pull <laughs> out Remembrance of the Daleks and, and Curse of Fenric and the Five and Doctors. Earth Shock, Earth yeah. Shock. And this one is sort of a forgotten gem. But because it's so different to all of those. And I think that's why it's special. If Doctor Who was like this every week, oh yeah, we wouldn't celebrate it. But in this era, it's such an oddity. And next week, you've got time travels, shenanigans, and the Brigadier Nostalgia. coming back. Yeah. Exactly. And so this show is just all over the place in this era. But thank God. It's wonderful. What, mm -hmm. Where are we going next? Oh, I don't. I have no idea. I know with with Fraser, we're still going to take a trip to the moon sometime. Is that ever going to? I mean, is that going to happen? I don't think he likes that one, so I think he's stalling on that. I've been promised uh, a six-episode jaunt with Fraser and a ton of white stuff coming at me mm -hmm. in, <laughs> for a long time now. Oh my word! <laughs> but Joe, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do next. Hmm. I'd yeah, I'll tell you what, can I'd you like to do oh go on. I'd like to do something unexpected. Yes. And... I'll like, tell you what I'd like you to do. What's that? I'd like you to do a Peter Capaldi episode. Yeah, I have I've done the pilot. You have. Should we take a trip under the lake? <gasps> oh yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I think From that... my least favourite season of Doctor Who. You like that story though, don't you? I really like that story. So, whereas I think the Toby first episode, house again, you see. So, the first episode I think is really good, and I think the second episode has huge problems. But yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Okay, and I know there was something else that we did say we were going to do. Go on, and it's a bit of a biggie. Go on, and we were going to do the day of the Doctor. Oh, that! I'm assuming you like that one, right? I really love that one. You know, I really love that one as well. But now I've seen Power of the Doctor, I like it a yeah, little bit less. Yeah, I think it. I think it would be very interesting to go back now. Because I see think I, I, the conclusion that I drew watching the two is I prefer Classic Who being celebrated than New Who. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, but, uh, well, let's well let's 
pencil those both in. We will. And get Fraser to go to the moon with us. By the end of uh, all the hamster recordings, we'll go from your stories taking three minutes to talk about to ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> How so indulgent. I, I utterly adore doing this with you. That Thank was you wonderful. I've, uh, I've, yeah, I hope everyone has enjoyed that as much as we did. I'll see you next time. Until next time, Joe. Bosh. Bosh. That Bosh, was really Bosh. good. I loved that.